Welcome to The Midpoint, conversations with the extraordinary people building the American innovation economy from the inside out. I'm Patrick McKenna, founder of One America Works. Welcome to The Midpoint. I'm Patrick McKenna, founder of One America Works and partner at Comeback Capital. Today, I'm joined by Brandy Birch, founding team and CEO of Benefit Bay, based in Kansas City, Missouri, and attacking the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. So you're doing everything the hard way. Yep, the hardest way. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Uh, we are live in Cleveland, Ohio. We have an exciting day. We have Steve Case here, a lot of other founders, investors. It's been a really fun day. We're at the end of the day. We're saving the best for last. Okay, yeah. Right? Save the pitch for last. Save yeah. the pitch. We've been practicing all day. Right. Oh, but really just want to have a conversation about uh, the business, the industry you're in, and the challenges that you've tackled as a founder, as a CEO in these pretty trying times mm-hmm. in an evolving market. So, you know, started your business under the new regulation that came out. Yes. Um, would you mind just kind of kicking us off with what that regulation is and yes. the underlying change in the industry that led to your business? Yes. In 2020, favorable legislation came out to disrupt the insurance industry in general. It's called ICRA. What that really means is individual contribution health reimbursement arrangement allows employers to really get out of health insurance business and give it, give that contribution to the employee to spend and make decisions on their own. So transition that ownership of those decisions from the employer to the employee. And this is a huge change to how we do things. We've been doing group policies forever for those of us who have been around for other legislation for legislative changes that led to disruption. There was pension to define contribution 401k. I like to say that this is kind of similar, but many years later, health insurance has been one of the last to adopt to change or to allow our workforce that has been continually evolving to evolve with their benefits. So how did you identify this opportunity in general, but doing it from Kansas City? Yeah. So um, I have always been a longtime CFO, VP of finance, HR leader, HR reporting up to those financial leadership seats. And benefits are a complication for small business. They are a cost uh, prohibitor. They are something that changes every year that they have little control over. And then employees have little control over who their policy is going to be with, um, what type of health benefits they're going to have year to year. They may pick a job because the benefits are great. And the next year, those benefits may not be so great. So it is just something where the individual, the employees, we have limited, con- for the employers, have limited control over that spend and how we can make it best useful for the individual. And I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about it from being an operator. And I'm passionate about it from being a mom to um, six beautiful girls and to having my own healthcare challenges throughout the years with different employers or them changing and we have to change doctors or you could be pregnant and have to change hospitals. And and so those things affect your life. And I'm just passionate about being able to remove those obstacles and then helping the employers allow employees better work-life balances and working from wherever they want and not being worried about their health benefit. So I actually really love this innovation in regulation and then, then then what you're doing here. So were you tracking this for a while or were you surprised when it came and said, wow, this is going to really change the industry? Yeah, no, I wasn't tracking it, to be honest. I was tracking how can we how can we handle group insurance with distributed teams because I didn't think that the government was going to pass something favorable here. Okay. You're already working on the problem before the government. Solving the problem on the other side right. of how do I as an employer 
make sure that the benefits offering works for everyone now that we're in all different states and we're in small towns and we're in, you know, Kaiser Permanente only areas and we're in these places and how do we not harm our employees? And so when the legislation came out, favorable to other startups have been legislations, right? They drive market adoption, they drive industry disruption, and they help facilitate that change that needs to occur. Yeah, that sense of urgency, that like breaking the inertia. But you were already working on this problem before the regulation was passed. So you were well Just positioned. From the other side, right? Uh, I see. Right. And our our founder, um, he was a broker, and so he'd seen it from the broker side. Right. And as a broker, he saw how long it took or to solve a problem when a team was geographically dispersed, or when they had diverse age populations within an employee population, or when they had multiple entities that service different types of knowledge workers versus. Uh, manufacturing workers and the benefits that are ran there and the complex legislations around how you have to facilitate that. And so it, it solves a broker challenge of distributing there. It solves an employer challenge and then it solves the employee challenge. So Right. And so you're operating with a highly regulated industry, also with a lot of incentives that are already kind of baked into the way people buy, distribute, partner, right? right? So mm-hmm. how did you f- how did you figure out how to fit into this market? Now, you know, just so everybody knows, like, you did like 2.6 million. Wait, how much revenue did you guys do last year? 1.5. 1.5 million last year. On trajectory getting, to do over four. Do over four this year. Mm-hmm. So you are getting the traction. The market is saying that this is working. 1.5 to four. Really nice growth. So you're, are you fitting into the existing kind of the way things are sold and partnerships? Or are you having to rebuild some of that infrastructure? Yeah, we're really solving a problem. Um, and we're solving a problem through this regulation. But that problem is being solved in only 22 states at this point. So it's not favorable everywhere yet. So we hope to see that continue to improve. The market channel has been already set up. It is the same market channel that operates for Benefit Bay that operated a group. We use the broker channel strategy. Our go-to-market strategy is through the broker channel. We educate the brokers. We help facilitate their sales cycle. We help them decide if ICRA is a solve for their client. It's not going to be a solve for every client. We're not here to say it is. We're here to say when it is a fit, it makes economic sense. It also makes sense for their employee to have ownership of their benefit. Therein lies the SaaS adopter, right? That's our SaaS subscription revenue model. And then the employers are asking for this. So the broker is able to give the employer what they're asking for. They're saying, I want out of the insurance business. Let my employee make their decision. I'm tired, tired of trying to make everyone happy with one or two or three plans. It doesn't work. And so that's solving for their client need. But in the same respect, that now becomes another revenue source for us, that employer, because we are facilitating their compliance around 1095 reporting, around administration of their benefits, around affordability calculations and contribution. And then the end consumer whom we're really passionate about, which is the employee, if they're eligible for something like subsidies that are out there available from the government, our technology helps facilitate that enrollment for them so that they weren't economically harmed by their employer giving them $200 if the government would have facilitated $950 in subsidies. So I'm passionate about the three different channels we service. Yeah. And then I'm also, you know, the the big area I want to unlock for 2024 and where we want to grow is to help those carriers be more automated in the individual space. They've got the group space down, but on the individual side, it's really a terrible experience for an individual if they need to call in or if they have problems with a claims filing. So I'm passionate about unlocking all of those pieces for additional revenue streams and additional strategic relationships in the future. So what I love about this story, and I should admit now, I'm an investor. Yes, you are. We'll talk a bit about that. Very excited about the business. And uh, is that you have 
deep like uh, subject matter expertise of the of the space. You understand the customers, the brokers, the buyers. Um, you understand the problem. You were already trying to solve it. So you had a ship in the, in the you had a car in the race. Right. And then you had a regulatory change that you weren't necessarily anticipating, but then allowed you to like build on this expertise and move quickly mm-hmm. in this business. I kind right. of get this right. Right. Now, but it hasn't been a straight shot to no. to victory here. No, it hasn't. And um, when when we got involved as investors, uh, there was you had kind of come up against some challenges, both right. founding team, access to capital, kind of run rate, and you stepped up and as a leader and took on a bigger position, the CEO, and then raised capital to move the business forward. Can you talk about that situation and how you yeah. overcame these challenges? I mean, absolutely. It was a scary time for me personally, and I think this is a place where we define our character is if we can push through something we've never done before. Um, I'm a finance person by trade or by, you know, an accounting major and then an MBA in finance. And so I traditionally worked on the numbers or, or worked on the financial statements or looked at forecasting how we can be successful. Hadn't been in a capital raising role and not in a capital raising role when you're really behind the eight ball. So, um, being able to step into a seat that I maybe would not have had the opportunity to otherwise, but step into it with insurmountable odds was scary to me. The risk of failure, I think, was my biggest fear. Uh, the fear of failing, mm-hmm. that someone believed in me to give me the opportunity, that being our board at the time and our investors at the time. And so stepping into that seat and then believing in myself enough to pitch to investors and I had, had never done it before or tell the story Insurance isn't a sexy story to tell. It's it's not a SaaS program that a lot of people can um, follow or or understand what we're doing until we talk to how it really affects the end consumer. We all know our benefits have gone up. We all know that these things have been expensive and we all know we've had pain points. So I think the key to success when you're when you're given a CEO seat and you need to raise capital is being passionate about what you're solving. That really came through when we were meeting with you, for sure. Yeah, and I think if you're passionate about it, you can tell your story and and help others see how there's a path to success. And I think that that rocky road is what led us to you and what led us to Comeback Capital and led us to a great ecosystem of people who are mentoring first-time CEOs, who are mentoring founders, who are mentoring startups, and helping to facilitate those conversations where needed. Well, we couldn't be more excited about uh, being you know, on the team. Yeah. Uh, you hit all the milestones that you said you were going to hit in the first year, and you're on to great things this next year. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for coming to Cleveland, sharing your story with uh, the audience, and look forward to much more success. Thank you. Thanks for having me. To learn more about One America Works, visit our website at oneamericaworks.org.